Good morning, East Point Church. Our sermon text this morning is from Psalm 131. That's Psalm 131. The word of the Lord reads as follows. A song of ascents of David. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Amen. From the age of about 11 to about the age of uh, 17, we, uh, as a family, would make uh, a yearly trip, uh, sometimes twice a year, uh, from New York to Florida. Uh, 18 <laughs> to 20 hours, not, not by plane. <laughs> we, we drove from New York to Florida once, maybe sometimes uh, twice a year. And it was a trip. I, I, I can recall it. Uh, clearly, I, rem- I, I know the, the, the New Jersey Turnpike and the length of that, just wanted to get off the, the Turnpike. Uh, we, would, we would come into D.C. and try to get through that traffic in D.C. and Richmond. I remember the smells and the stench that came out of Georgia when we would get to South Georgia. <laughs> Going into Florida, <laughs> seeing all those signs and everything like that. It was a trip and a half. We didn't have TV screens, no iPads. We had Walkmans. We had Walkmans. So I was in the back with my hood on and my Walkman, sleeping as much as I could. But it was a trip. Every time we, we hopped in that car, we were driving to Florida straight. No stopping, no hotels. My dad wanted to get there. You had to have a right mind and a right heart. You have to have the heart to make it. If you didn't have the right mind or the right heart to, to make it, you weren't going to make that journey. It was going to be difficult. It is interesting that the Bible utilizes the imagery of a, of a road or, or, or a journey or a path to describe the Christian life. And there, you know, there's so much that this metaphor for the Christian life uh, communicates. Roads and paths and journeys have have destinations in mind. And as Christians, we have a a destination in mind. Some some roads are straight. Others are windy. Some paths are, are narrow. Others wide. Some journeys include obstacles and roadblocks, while others are smooth. Brothers and sisters, these are the characteristics, at least the ones having to do with difficulty, describe the Christian life. We are on, all of us Christians are on an arduous journey full of obstacles and dangers. The path is narrow and the the road winds quite a bit. In fact, in fact, the psalmist who, who writes this psalm, who's who's singing this song, sings this psalm while he is on a journey, while the saints are on a journey. Psalm 131 is part of the division of the psalms we refer to as the songs of ascent. 
three times a year, the people of God traveled up to Jerusalem to celebrate feast holidays. Everyone went. It was part of tradition, but not only was it part of tradition, it was in uh, obedience to the commands of the Lord. They were to go and to worship and to celebrate His faithfulness to them in the past. And as they traveled this road up to Jerusalem, a road that was full of twists and turns, littered with rugged terrain, they sang. There were no iPads to pass the time, no movie screens to make the journey seem shorter. In order to get through, they sang these very songs of ascent that we, that we hear, that we read here in the Psalms. Psalm, the songs covered a, a, a gamut of life issues and circumstances. They, they spoke of, they sang of, joy, of joys and, and heartaches. It ran the gamut of repentance to, to blessing, peaceful times and stressful times. They sang, these Christians sang as they journeyed to encourage their hearts to continue on in the journey. They encouraged their hearts in the Lord as they sang. This, this psalm, it is a psalm of David, has as, a, as its focus the disposition of these saints as they sought to travel this road. This psalm simply isn't about how you are to present yourself to other people. That, that is important. It's not about how you are to present yourself to other people while you are on this journey, on this road we call the Christian life. Yes, it is important, but, you, you, but how many of you know that it is possible to present yourself one way on the outside and on the inside be something completely different? This is what plagues social media, isn't it? Everyone wants to be someone they are not, <laughs> giving the impression that they are godly when in fact they really are not. They want nothing to do with the Lord. Jesus called out the Pharisees for this type of behavior, saying that they were nothing more than whitewashed tombs, pristine and, and spotless on the outside, but in reality they were dead men on the inside. They gave the appearance of godliness, but their hearts were far from God. What an indictment. They gave the appearance of godliness. They were, they, on the outside, they looked as though they were godly, but on the inside, they were dead men. An indictment. But also, how convicting is that? When you hear that this morning, is that, is that convicting? I mean, isn't that really the struggle for us, brothers and sisters? As we walk this Christian life, we, we don't want to be those who are called hypocrites, right? We want the inside to match the outside. When someone asks you how you are doing, if you are not doing well, you want to be able to communicate that to them, that you, that you don't feel well today. Or, or on the other hand, if things are going really well, you, you want to share that and, and praise God for it. When you encourage somebody with the truths of Scripture, we want to fully believe that truth ourselves. That's the issue, right? 
We want our inward disposition to match the outward disposition. The psalmist in Psalm 131 gives us some instructions on what our inward disposition ought to be like as we journey through this Christian life, as we walk along this road. What is our inner disposition supposed to be like? And, and I know that the psalmist is talking about our inward disposition. He has that in mind because of what he says in verse 1. He says, O Lord, my heart. O Lord, my heart. Now, 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 because of our cultural use of the word a heart, we think the psalmist has in mind simply our emotions, how we feel about things. When the Hebrews talked about the heart, they were referring both to the mind and to the emotions. They believed the heart to be the center of a person, that which governs their actions. According to the Hebrews, the heart was the inner compass steering the ship of a person. And if that is the case, brothers and sisters, if it is the heart, if our inner disposition is that which governs us, which steers the ship, then our inner, dis inner disposition as Christians needs to be addressed. We need to look at it. The psalmist had in mind, had it, had this disposition, and I think he exhorts us to have the same, or at least to be striving in this direction. Psalm 131 and 1. Oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up, my eyes are not raised too high, I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. Oh, notice the, the levelness of the psalmist. He, he doesn't, you have heard the saying, get too high on the highs or get too low on the lows. He's settled, even keeled. His inner disposition is one of humility. Now often... Humility can be misunderstood by, by what you see in people or, or how people perceive our outwardness. We, we judge the humility of people by their actions, what they do, how they may deflect attention from themselves or even defer to, to others. But there is such a thing as false humility. It is possible for people to give the impression that they are humble, but they really are not. The humility they show is for selfish gain. It is pursued so that people, when describing them, would say, oh, oh, oh yeah, 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 I, I know so-and-so, they're, they're pretty humble. It's so that people would make much of your humility. But, but true humility is an inner disposition that truly seeks to have the mind of Christ. That your humble actions come from a mind and with feelings that reflect that you belong to him. It is the natural outworking of the Holy Spirit bearing fruit in your life. 
It's your humility. The humility of this saint is not contrived. It is, it is not forced. There, there is no humility switch that they, they, that they push and turn on and off. It's, like, it's, it's not like, okay, I, I know that I need to be humble in this situation. I know I need to show humility. No. It's their inner disposition woven. It governs them. Woven into your mind and your emotions. Oh, don't. The, the disposition of the psalmist is that their heart is not lifted up too high. But David doesn't just mention his heart not being raised up too high. He says, neither are his eyes. Neither are his eyes. Inner humility in a Christ follower is the person who sees themselves as no better than those around them. They don't raise their eyes or look down on anyone. This is not just in certain circumstances, but this is all the time. Not just when you like the person or when you have determined that they are on the same socioeconomic or academic level as you. No. The humble disposition of the Christian is that my eyes are level. I see you as made in the image of God, just like me. No qualifiers, no standards to meet. My, my seminary professors was telling a story about being moved by one of his children who upon seeing um, uh, a, a young child come into their church in a wheelchair, went up to greet the child. And his, and his child didn't just stand over the wheelchair, but he knelt down to look the child in the eye. Didn't see himself as better. It's like you when, you, when you're talking to a child. Do you stand over them with your, your eyes raised too high? Or when you're talking to them, do you get down on your knee so that you can be eye to eye with them? You see yourself no better. All of us raised in the image of God. This is, this is what Jesus did. He came down to our level. He, he, came, he came down and, and he dealt with, with, with sinners. Oh, don't we sing, who am I, that the highest king would welcome me? Listen, brothers and sisters, you and I can be welcomed by the highest king. Oh, certainly we can welcome anyone made in his image. Our eyes on this Christian journey should never be raised too high. If they are, if we find ourselves thinking ourselves better than others, those that we encounter, then we have not fully grasped the person and the work of Jesus Christ. The psalmist, the psalmist says, my eyes are not lifted too high 
but he's not ready to, to leave this disposition of humility that we ought to have and be pursuing on this, this journey. The humble disposition of the saint ought to be the person, the one who stays in their lane. Notice what the psalmist says. I do not occupy myself with things too great or too marvelous for me. He is comfortable with who the Lord has made him to be. He's not pining to be like others. What the, what the Lord has called and tasked others to is what he has tasked and called them to, not me. Nor does he seek the status, position, or influence of another. Whatever status, position, or influence God has called them to, he has called them to, not me. I am called to stay in the lane that I'm assigned. <laughs> but I'm, but I'm, I'm not only called to stay in the lane that I'm assigned. I need not concern myself with the affairs of others. Stay in your lane and keep your eyes in your lane. Your business is over there. Don't come and see my business over here. Paul says this as much in 2 Thessalonians 3, 11 through 12, for we hear that some of you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busybodies. In other words, meddlers. Now such Persons, we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Paul is making the point, stay in your lane. This is also, this is also an exhortation to reject worldly ambition. Oh, please hear me, though. There is such a thing as a godly ambition, a desire for and a focus on the things of the Lord, and an attitude that pursues his will and not your own. So yes, 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 we should, as Christians on this journey, have a godly ambition. We are to reject a worldly ambition. We are to reject it, a get-to-the-top-at-any-cost type mentality. We don't covet the position or the status of another. We don't puff ourselves up and put others down. The humble inner disposition does not concern itself with things too great or too marvelous for them. In fact, we as believers are to follow the example of our, of our elder brothers. Our brothers like Joseph and David who wrote this song, who teach us that the way to the top is down. The way to the top is down. Joseph was not in prison pining to get to the top. He was faithful to what the Lord had called him to, and the Lord raised him up. David could have killed his way to the top. He had every opportunity to take the king Saul out, but he decided to trust the will and the timing of the Lord. Both Joseph and David had a disposition of humility, attending to what God had called them to, happy with how the Lord had made them. 
How about that type of ambition? How about pursuing that type of ambition, a pursuit of humility, a pursuit of servanthood, a, a pursuit of faithfulness, doing what the Lord has called you to do? Brothers and sisters, this is the, disp- the inner disposition the Lord honors. This is the disposition he seeks to reward. Isaiah 57 and 15. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. This, this is the disposition the Lord honors, that the Lord dwells with. Oh, the inner disposition of the saying on this journey, this Christian journey, is humility. But there is also a disposition of contentment. Contentment. Last week, we, we briefly touched on this aspect that, that is brought out in, in Psalm 27. And, and some of the comments I received after the sermon were focused on that area. Some, some of you express how the Lord was dealing with you in that area. Well, praise God. This is an area, this area of contentment is an area that we can all grow in. And what an appropriate psalm this morning. The psalmist has just not given us, has, has given us the first step to contentment. And what is that step? It's humility. It's humility. Brothers and sisters, a humble heart is a contented heart. Pride, you do understand. Pride uh, uh, breeds discontentment. You believe that you, you don't deserve this or, or you're too good for, for this or for that. It breeds discontent. But humility, what humility does is it provides the fertile ground for contentment to blossom. Listen to the heart and the expression of the psalmist. Psalm 131, 1 and 2. Oh, Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me, but I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. Oh, this, this ought to be the disposition of our hearts as we travel, as we Christians walk out this Road. It's supposed to be one of contentment, one of satisfaction with Jesus, a heart contented with, with him. It is, it is fitting on, on Mother's Day that we have a reference in this psalm to your God-given role. It's a glorious role that mothers play in the lives of their children. This process that, we, that the psalmist recalls when he talks about this area of contentment and, and he links it to weaning, the weaning of a child. Your mother here this morning, you, you know well the disposition of a child or a baby when they are ready to eat, when they want the milk. To describe them as discontent would be an understatement. <laughs> 
They cry. <laughs> they're cranky. They, they're angry, irritable. They're just flat out miserable. Well, thankfully, thankfully, this is not the behavior that is acceptable and it is supposed to come to an end. And so, and so the goal is to slowly wean the child off the milk. The process of weaning consists of getting the baby to a place where they no longer exhibit the emotions of the baby who has yet, not yet had their milk. A weaned baby is a baby that is satisfied with what they have and is content to wait for the next meal without all the dramatics they once, uh, once exhibited when desiring the milk. This, this contentedness, this contentment ought to be the disposition of the Christian. Like a weaned child, the psalmist says, is my soul within me. He is satisfied. I don't need anything. I don't desire anything. Jesus is enough for me. He's not enough for you, brothers and sisters then you have not been weaned. You have not been weaned. Brothers and sisters, to put it plainly, to be discontent is to act not just like a child, but it is to act like a baby. A baby who is crying and cranky because they have not received their milk. What is your disposition? Brothers and sisters, when when you are in circumstances or situations that are not going your way, difficult and hard, do you throw temper tantrums? Oh, we may not scream and cry like a newborn infant who wants their, their milk, but we have tantrums nonetheless. We complain. <laughs> we have our ways of throwing our tantrums. We complain. And we, we, we whine, we're quick-tempered, we're short, we get quiet. Well, brothers and sisters, these are all signs of a discontented heart. And these would be appropriate responses if, if we were the ones who were in control of our lives. They would be appropriate. You could get angry with yourself. <laughs> you could be cranky with yourself. You could get quiet on yourself. But they are not appropriate because we have a sovereign good God who is orchestrating every single detail of your life. Yes, God has determined that you would be right where you are. Oh, God in his goodness has you in that place, that very situation, that very circumstance, that very position to wean you off of trusting in yourself so that you would be satisfied and contented with Jesus alone. Here's the goodness, here's the goodness of God. Contentment is not a disposition for the believer that simply, like, pops up once, once you become a Christian. <laughs> once you trust Jesus, oh, you're content. <laughs> no, brothers and sisters, it is learned. Contentment grows 
I think this is why the, the, the Bible and the psalmist uses the language here of weaning. Contentment grows. It is, it is learned. A, a child isn't weaned overnight. It's a process. That is the language the Apostle Paul uses in Philippians 4 and 12. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound, and in every circumstances I have learned the secret of facing plenty and, and hunger, abundance and need. The Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul, had to be taught contentment. So here's the test, a couple of questions. Is your heart more content with Jesus than when you first believed? Are your temper tantrums less frequent than when you first trusted in Christ? That's the case. If you can answer yes to those questions, then, then, then rejoice. Thank, thank the Lord. That he is, he is gracious to be able to be teaching you. And that, and that you are learning. Remember, where the Lord has you today. That hard situation. Perhaps you're a stay-at-home mom and, and struggling, trying to figure out, what I need help, Lord. Is this, is this it? I'm, I'm struggling. The Lord has you there Difficult job, difficult circumstance. The Lord has you there, and he is teaching you. He's teaching you so that you can be more content with, with, with what you, can, you will encounter on the road ahead. Where the Lord has you today is preparing you to deal with that twist that turn, that pothole that's in the journey ahead, so that when you encounter it, you can be content with Jesus because you learned back then. Just a quick side note on what contentment does not mean. It does not mean that you can never desire to leave the place where God has you. It just means that I don't use sinful means to get out of it. <laughs> sinful means like politicking, like stepping on others, like doing things that would profane the name of Christ. Brothers and sisters, if you are in a difficult situation, a trying situation, and it's difficult being content, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that you can't ask the Lord to relieve you of that situation. You can ask. Ask Him. But a contented disposition gets up from praying and goes about faithfully carrying out their duties and trusting that the Lord heard them when they prayed. You're in a tough situation. You can pray that the Lord would relieve you of it. That's not being discontent. What's your disposition when you get up from that prayer? Are you trusting the Lord? Are you trusting that he heard you? Oh, listen, brothers and sisters, this, this road that we walk, this journey is not easy. And, and, and if we do not learn contentment, we do not have that as our disposition. We're going to make it all the more difficult. 
the saints full of humility, contented with Jesus, is a saint that hopes in the Lord. <laughs> Verse 3, O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. This is the disposition of the Christian. They are always, they are always hopeful. I think we as Christians underestimate what a blessing hope is. Oh, brothers and sisters, hope gets you out of bed in the morning. Hope causes you to keep pressing when all seems lost. Christian, you and I have hope. We have the hope of the resurrection. We have, the, we have the hope of heaven. We have the hope of eternal life. We have the hope of seeing Jesus face to face and being just like he is. This is our hope. Oh, you and I can walk in humility and, and, and contentment because we have hope. <laughs> and be content wherever the Lord has me because I know that ultimately it's working for me an eternal weight of glory. That is beyond all comparison. I can pursue a humble position because I have the hope that God exalts the humble. Oh, we always have hope, Christian. Oh, it should greet you every morning. You have hope. Oh, brothers and sisters, don't let the evil one cloud your, your vision of the hope we have in Jesus. And here's the deal. Just don't give lip service to hope. Just say it with your lips that you have hope, but actually believe it in your heart. Trust that you will have hope in Jesus. Your disposition, your default, it's the default, is always hopeful. No matter the situation, whatever it is, your default is hope. <laughs> hope. You know what's a hope killer? Doubt is a hope killer. That is why the devil sends it your way. <laughs> he, wants, he wants you to doubt the, the hope that Jesus assures. And so he lies to you. Here's, here's the deal. I mean, perhaps you're doubting this morning. Here's the deal. Doubt, doubt is okay. I think, I, think, I think the Lord allows for some doubt. Just don't let your doubt lead you to despair. <laughs> don't let it lead you to despair. The Christian who doubts must be reminded that there is always hope. No matter the circumstance, situation presented, the Christian always has It was the reminder that hopeful gave Christians in Pilgrim's Progress. Christian in Pilgrim's Progress, along the way, finds a friend, or the Lord provides him a friend, helpful. And they're in a tough place. They're in Doubting Castle. And, and Christian is losing hope. But there is this friend, hopeful, to encourage him. And here's what he says. Indeed, Christian, our present condition is dreadful. And death would be far more welcome to me than thus forever to abide. 
But yet, let us consider the Lord of the country to which we are going. Oh, brothers and sisters, our journey is hard. It is tough. This is difficult. There are, there are twists and turns. There might be some times where we find ourselves in Doubting Castle. Oh, but we have the hope. Keep as your vision the Lord of the country to which we are going. Keep your eyes on Jesus. This is the disposition we ought to have. Humility, contentment, and hope. It's yours, Christian. Pursue it. Let's pray.